Welcome to Scent 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Matthew, do you feel the peace in I this do, room buddy. like I do? Me I too. do. It's so good. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's you and me. It, it clearly <laughs> isn't because we've done over a hundred of these. Yeah. And sometimes it's frolic. Yeah. But Joanne Denniston is here. Yes, she is. And I think the Lord has joined us as well, and I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Welcome to Scent 315, Joanne. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just before we went on, you, sh you shared a, a verse about inviting, and you don't have to quote it right now, but I think that's really when I, f I sensed the Lord's presence really oh, it just felt thick. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. entered this room. So why don't we just get right to it? A few years ago, and when I was teaching some classes and, and stuff on sharing your faith, one of them was writing out your testimony, and then we would work with it in case it was too much Christianese or maybe it went on too long or just to, to articulate it. That was number one. And then we would videotape it. And then if you wanted to, at the end of that process, did you know about this, Matt? Mm -mm. This is way cool. Then we would prepare it for you to post it on your social media so your testimony would go all over the world. Wow. And so we did a little bit of it, but things happened, and I'm often Mark and Dave, and I'm going to do sure. other stuff. And so we didn't get everybody done mm -hmm. that I would have liked to have finished. So this is unfinished business with you, Joanne. <laughs> but your testimony is powerful, and I would just like you to share it. Sure. My background is I grew up in the Catholic Church. I grew up in a family of six girls. And my mom and dad had a secret that I didn't know. My mom committed adultery, and so I'm the product of that. And my dad was the one she committed adultery with. But in all that, they went from Connecticut to San Diego. My mom was pregnant with me. She left a really abusive marriage. I never knew that, all that. My sisters were my sisters. They were great. I love having all my sisters. And... They were wonderful. Through the years, though, my own dad was hard, too. And so fast-forwarding, just by the time I was 11, three of my sisters ran away from home because of my dad's anger and his physical abuse. So I saw that, and I tried to be perfect. Yeah. And at 14, I went on a plane. I thought I would please my parents, especially my mom, to a convent at 14 thinking I should be a nun, but I wasn't sure. Wow. Went all the way to Boston, and I didn't sleep the whole way. I'd never been on a plane. And I get there, and I was so tired. They, the, the nun, she was the reverend mother of the convent. <laughs> it's called the Daughters of St. Paul. And uh, she led me to a room to rest, and after I rested, I must have woke up. I just know that I woke up and she was there, so she must have been checking on me. I don't know if she woke me up, but she brought me to a dorm room, and she left. And when she left, I heard a voice behind me say, What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to get married. And I was 14. I wasn't even thinking of marriage. Wow. <laughs> and I knew in that moment I made a mistake. I shouldn't be there. And it took me a few months to get home because my mom sent me with a one-way ticket. didn't know that. Yeah. Man, oh man. Wow. <laughs> Got back home, started high school. And high school was hard. I wasn't good academically. 
I was super quiet, especially really bad with math. I graduated high school, and I thought, I'm going to reinvent myself. Because, can, I, can I ask you a question? Let's take a step back. Sure. How did you feel when you came back, and how did your parents feel when you came back? Well, my dad was mad that my mom sent me. Okay. And my mom, I think, which I didn't know, I guess like the firstborn, if you serve the Lord, it bring, brings blessing to the house. So my mom's sin, I think, she thought I was her hope. Okay, I got Does you. That so she, sense? yeah, just somewhat vicariously living through you, yeah, and putting some pressure on you there too. That's yeah. for sure. My gosh. But she was a very sweet person. Never raised her voice. And just very loving. But she didn't say I love you. We didn't hear that. Mm-hmm. But you knew you were loved. I knew my mom loved me. Gotcha. Okay, so you graduate in high school, and yeah. you went to a reinvention. And I think people that are listening to this, yeah. I remember one of my kids told me that she was rebranding herself. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I, I get that because it's coming out of something. You reinvent yourself because you don't really like who you are. Is mm-hmm. that right? Right, I didn't. I wanted to break out of my home. It was oppressive. I had such respect for my parents but because of that, we had a lot of responsibility. I grew up really fast. I had to wake up my dad at five when I was nine. So all my three older sisters that I had, they ran away, and I took their role of waking dad up, okay, warming up the car, stuff kids shouldn't do, but that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah, and so I wanted to break out. I wanted to reinvent myself. I wanted to be successful. I didn't see hope in our home. I went to church, and I love God, but I was so afraid of God because of my dad. I just thought, I didn't know what the love of God was at all. So many people look at God through the lens of their father. Absolutely. Right? And they think that's who God is because that's who they know here on earth. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. So this reinvention was, I thought, okay, I'm going to get a career. (laughs) Because my oldest sister had a career, and she was doing great. So I thought, I'm going to figure this out. So I did a little bit of college. I worked for the Daily Californian. I worked for Sears at the time, was my first job at 19, working in advertising. Okay. So I thought, okay, I could do this. I liked art. I want to do this. And that kind of took me to a road of rebellion, and in those years from 19 till I met Don, I was walking the line really close to the edge, mm. vicarious. Not really bad. I was the designated driver with my friends. I never drank. I just, but I didn't want to live what I had. I wanted to be a different person. And I didn't know how to get there. I didn't know. And so you met Don. I met Don, yeah. Hi, Don. <laughs> I, yes. I got a feeling he's listening to this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm sure he will, yes. <laughs> so I met Don actually at a, a friend's house. Her brother got married. They were friends of ours. And Don showed up at the reception. Hmm. And she introduced me to him. And we both said, I know you, because I knew Don in the third grade. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so who would have known, right? From that point on, that was my biggest rebellion because I was really pulling away from my parents and ended up, we got engaged very quickly, two weeks after we met, which I would never recommend, (laughs) never. As you can see, I was on the fast track of just wanting to just change. Well, you know, I know Don, and he is a big, handsome guy and irresistible. I probably would have got engaged to him right away, too. Yeah, and I also tripped up. I was pure until I met Dawn, and I was not. And I was pregnant. 
and we got married when I was seven months pregnant. Okay. Because I wanted to go to the Catholic Church to be married. Mm-hmm. And so they wouldn't let me. My dad said, go get married at Justice of the Peace, but I didn't want that. Because even though I messed up, I wanted God in it. Yeah. And there he was. God gave me the covenant. And I knew that was covenant when I said I do. It was in the hard times, it was the covenant that kept me from leaving. Yeah, gotcha. And you've been married a long time, right? Almost 39 years. 39 years. And how many kids now? Uh, five. Okay. Seven grandchildren. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, where did I go from this? Don and I got married, and we were married less than five years. But when I first met Don, I met his cousin, which you talked about my my story. Don had a cousin named Ronnie. And when I f- first met Ronnie, he was this young man that was full of life, but also wanting to go to the next party, unreliable. And he was sweet and kind. And when God got a hold of his heart back in, I would say, 1989, God got a hold of his heart, and he was married at the time and had a little girl, and he started going to Calvary Chapel, and there he met Jesus. Wow. And with Jesus, I saw something I never saw. I saw this joy. I saw no matter what he was going through at the time he was separated from his wife, I saw just such happiness. And I didn't have that. I didn't know how, even though trying to reinvent myself, all these things, I didn't know what that was. Because yeah. you fill up your life with things, and it's not joy. It's yeah. stuff. It's But he had this joy. And he would try to you know, help me understand about the Lord. And being raised Catholic, I just put up the hand because I knew better, <laughs> <laughs> is what I thought, right? Then in April of that year, 1989, he was working. He was always sharing Jesus. And this particular day, I'll never forget, it was April 6, 1989. He was just like Ronnie. He was sharing Jesus with everybody and telling people, hey, you really need Jesus. And this one of his coworkers said, hey, can you spot me some money till payday? I'm going to get some lunch. He goes, sure. And he opens his wallet, gives him all the money he had. And he goes, you really need to think about Jesus. You just <laughs> never know when it's your last day on earth. You wow. just, yeah. Lunch was over, and they climbed up to the roof because he worked on the roof. And he slipped, and he fell. Oh. And he was declared dead the next no. day. And, man, I still today. Wow. 27. Man. Mm. So that was a Friday he died. On Sunday, I was at his church. And I don't remember what the pastor said. Mm. I remember the song that created me a clean heart, oh, oh God, yeah. and renew a right spirit in me. The song, I guess, Keith Green sang. Mm-hmm. Sure. All I remember was that song. I raised my hand to be born again. But like I said, I didn't remember anything that the pastor said. Not one thing. I just knew I was home. Yeah, And I couldn't awesome. stop crying. I was I home. I love that. And for two years, because of that, because of my parents I loved and being raised Catholic, and I'm so appreciative I had that wow. grounding. I went to two churches. I went to Catholic Church for two years and continued Calvary Chapel for two years. So many people... When they're trying to reinvent themselves or mm-hmm. trying to invent themselves, mm-hmm. they're acting like they're their own creator. Yeah. Yeah. And you get invented 
<laughs> when you discover who you are through the eyes of your Creator, because He made you, right? Amen. And I want to encourage other people. There are people out there that are listening right now who are Ronnie's. Yeah. Right? And maybe they don't see a lot of fruit. Maybe there's some frustration with that. And maybe they get rejected. But look what happens. With your dying day, bringing somebody tell salvation. that The Lord uses you. So don't give up. Be who God created you to be and keep on at it. Yeah. Yeah, he, his life affected so many. So many men at that construction site gave their life to the Lord because of that. Mm. I forgot the guy's name, but the episode of Miguel, yeah. which is a little while ago, he wanted to sock the guy in the head that was sharing Jesus. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he was just mm. irritating him, but it turned Franco. out... Franco. Franco, that's right. I met yeah. Franco, that's right. Mm. But Franco stayed faithful. Yeah. And especially when you combine those acts of service and generosity and kindness like Jesus teaches us to do, so your actions and your words line up, mm-hmm. and God can use that. He Boy, really is that can. powerful. Yeah. yeah. What did you learn that made a difference? So you're trying to recreate yourself and... Speak to the people who are trying to do that right now, what you learned, and maybe that verse that you shared with us before we came on. Ronnie invited me many times to know the Lord. There was an invitation. And he just, you could see it in his eyes that he wanted it. He wanted me, and I just had my religion. I didn't understand the love of God. And that invitation, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens the door, I come in. That invitation is Jesus. He's at the door knocking. We're all welcome. And I missed the invitation. And the regret I have is I didn't receive it when he was alive. It's interesting. I was thinking today, in those three days from the time he died till I went to his church, he was dead. But then God brought me alive. Yeah. It was my Easter it was my resurrection. <laughs> Whoa, I love it. And it was like when I look at Ronnie's life and I see he was the only Bible I read. Mm-hmm. I'd been to church. I didn't read the Bible. I went to Mass. I, went, I did all that. And I so appreciate it. I, I'm grateful my parents brought me to church. Yeah. But I never understood about being born again. It's so cool the way that you're saying it and the picture I have in my mind. Jesus has given us an invitation, and as Christians, what we're doing is handing out these invitations. Yeah. Here we go. Have relationship with me. Find fullness in yeah. me. Find salvation, because you're a sinner. You can find that in me. So we're handing out invitations. Mm-hmm. When you talk about how I was in your class, I think at that time I had a sister. She lived in Colorado. She was raised Catholic, too, right? We were all raised Catholic. And I remember hearing to. Bring someone to the Lord that maybe has religion like I did is turn to John 3. And in John 3 is Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night. Yeah. And so I was estranged from this sister because she had a really hard life. She lived in Colorado and there was some flooding going on. And I knew I had to get a hold of her. I just, I had it in my spirit. I, I had to find her. And I found her number on the internet. I called her. And when I called her, she started crying. She goes, I've been praying you'd call me. <laughs> and so I had a series of a couple of phone calls with her. I didn't know that. We just never know the day. And so I led her to the Lord right before Christmas that year. And 
at the moment that how I did it was I opened John 3 and I said, can I read the word to you? And I read it and it says, Jesus said, you must be born again. And I said to my sister, Nancy, Jesus said, you must be born again. Would you mm. like to? And she goes, okay. <laughs> it's, it was that simple. So Billy it was that simple. But in that moment, I knew that she was going to hell because everything went crazy in my home. My sweet David was running away from home in that exact moment. David. My son David, which at that time, he was not even a teenager quite yet. Maybe he was. I don't know. He was very sweet. He is still sweet. Yeah, he is. <laughs> my kids are, Mom, David's running away. What? I told my sister, I'll call you right back. I went outside. He's halfway up the street. He's in his pajamas. I go, David, what's going on? I don't know. Why are you running away? I don't know. Come home. I said, I know. I set all my kids down. I said, you know what? Today, my sister receives salvation. Mm. And I know the devil hated that. Yeah. And I called my sister back, and I had one more phone call, because she died in February of that year. Wow. And I didn't know. God did. Mm -hmm. So when you feel God put someone on your heart, call them. Yeah. And I did. And I led her to the Lord. Yeah. And that's the devil it, hated it. That's, <laughs> that's all it took is just that obedience. Yeah. And that is that's amazing. Incredibly encouraging. Yeah. yeah. Incredibly encouraging. And we can we all need to listen. Yes. The Lord is will lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. He will, if we'll listen, yeah. and then step into it. You're doing a lot of listening these days, and one of the things that you and Don do is head up a big chunk of the counseling and ministry at our church. How did that start? How did you start mentoring people and get into that counseling? Actually, Michael Cook helped me walk through some really difficult things. <laughs> yeah, Michael and Diane. Mm. Um, it was because of the brokenness in my family. I just, I just... You know, I didn't know, I, I had no voice. I literally had no voice. I remember at 21 years old, my friend's car broke down across the street from Sears because we worked. And she said, scream, because we didn't have phones back then, because we had to get in before we were locked out. And I went to yell, and I could not yell, wow. even if you asked me to. I couldn't do it even for my life. And so all that shutting down stuff, mm. stuffing, stuffing, Michael and Diane helped me. And, and how did they help you? How did you get freedom? I got that? freedom because I had to be brave to look at what I had to do was basically f forgive my dad, which I did, and give it to the Lord. My younger sister is three years younger than me, and so she had been in kindergarten. One day, I don't know what happened, but my dad had a very bad temper, and I remember him hitting her full on hitting her and she dropped to her knees and he was still wailing on her and I was helpless in that moment because as that person I would freeze that was my mode I would freeze and that was stuck in my head that picture of my dad and I couldn't get it out of my head yeah because I couldn't help my sister my goodness but Michael helped me by revisiting that memory, and he said, okay, can you see, can you be right there? I said, yeah. He goes, do you see what's going on? I said, yes. He goes, okay, I want you to turn away from what you're seeing. I said, okay. But I had a hard time turning away. He goes, why is that? And I realized, because 
the truth was I couldn't help my sister. And he goes, it'll be okay. I said, okay. And then when I turned back around, I saw Jesus taking all of the hitting of my dad. And my sister had a dress on. And you know what? She had no bruises. And that was true. She had no bruises. She literally had no bruises. For as hard as my dad was hitting her, she should have had bruises. And the Lord showed me he was covering her. And the Lord also froze my dad in time. Wow. And so it took away the sting of that memory. And I have I don't really think about I don't think about it at all unless it's an illustration now for God's glory. Yeah. Because just like Matt's saying how he can relate to that himself. Yep. Yeah. There's other people that can and the Lord has healing in that. The worst yeah. thing that we can do is to stuff it down, not deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's what the enemy wants us to do. Yeah. Because the Lord came to give us freedom. Right. Right. And the truth was, my sister really didn't have bruises that day. And the Lord just showed me what he was doing. Supernatural, yeah. He and was taking that brunt. So many people, and in, in, in your counseling and, and mentoring, people are going, where was Jesus when this terrible thing happened? Where was? Why did Jesus let this thing happen? And he's there. He's there. He is right there in the midst of it. He was. And even with the horribleness and the tragedy of some of the things that happened in our life, He can redeem that and use everything, especially for us to help others because of what we've been through, right? Amen. Yes. In all that, yes. And I was able to share that with my sister. Uh, I said, you had no bruises. The Lord was there. (laughs) Even though it hurt, the Lord was there. The Lord was there. Yeah. So. Makes me think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, walking around. They didn't even smell like smoke. Yeah. That's really Jesus that she didn't have the bruises because he was taking the brunt of them. Yeah. That is very Christ. That is, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. What's the Lord showing you these days? What's he teaching you? It's just be present, show up, and to, to notice people. There's so many people that they just need to know it's going to be okay. Because it really is going to be okay. Notice people. He really has a way. And as far as the ministry goes, I love doing what I do. I do because when I was a kid, one, and I don't remember what memory, but one of the times I remember crying out to God, would you just send somebody? I remember crying out to God, just send somebody. I was a kid. And I realized most recently, he sent me. (laughs) He did. And so I looked at that was my crucible, but the Lord uses it to help others. And there's joy and there's healing because I got to see the rest of the story of my parents because I was able to share the Lord with my dad. And I was was there for my mom and I led almost every one of my sisters to the Lord Mm. in all of that. And so they have Jesus. It's just beautiful. This is called Scent 315 for a reason. And mm-hmm. it's based on First Peter 3.15. Mm-hmm. The urgency of it is that people are, whether they're doing it audibly or not, are crying out, please send someone. Yeah. And we have already been sent. I want you to explain a little bit more about notice people. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's one of the biggest things that happens is people are so busy or so self Absorbed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's some encouragement that you can give Christians about how to notice people? Yeah. So for the ones that maybe look messy to them, for by the grace of God, there goes I. I grew up in a home 
and I saw a lot of hurt, and I saw a lot of pain, and you don't know in that moment, maybe you can be the bridge to help them to stand on their feet, to see Jesus. Yeah. Just be Jesus. That's all you have to be is just Jesus. Okay, so in a practical way, maybe you have an example. I know that it's, this happens every single week, more than once a week, with our bus ministry. Mm-hmm. We send buses out to hard parts of town, and I've been on the bus with my grandson, Magnus, and I see the people that are working in the bus ministry noticing and taking a step. What's a practical Hey, you're seeing somebody and you think the Lord is saying something. What do you do? You say, hello. Have a good one. <laughs> How are you doing? It's nice to see you. Ask questions. What's going on with you? What's your name? Say hello. Engage them. Yeah. And even if they don't respond, you could just give a smile. They're free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Smiles are free. But the biggest thing is just people need to be encouraged and to laugh more. Yeah. Laughter is there's healing in smiles and there's healing in laughter, even silly jokes. Agreed. Yeah. Just that. Everything isn't always so serious. It's interesting because that not having a voice, researching recently about what is that? uh, It's called the vagus nerve. Oh, yeah. And they were talking about how it goes all the way. Anyways, how they help people with PTSD and things like that is feeling loved and laughter. Yeah. Yep. And it's interesting. And music, when we sing, I think that was my saving grace growing up. I loved music, yeah, just to hear it and worship. But I love Foothills music. Yeah, <laughs> there's no too. other place. People need to know that you see them. You know, make eye contact. Nobody is so far gone. They're not. And we all can stand before the cross and say it's Him. We can't be there. We can't be on the other side without him. Without him. One of the things that I help (laughs) women, whoever's hurt them, I do this visual of see Jesus on the cross. I said, I want you to see him on the cross. And I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Just think of all the people that have hurt you. And I want you all to stand at the cross. I said, don't look at them in the face. Look at your feet. Look at their feet. You're all on level ground. The only one lifted up higher is the Lord, and He's the one that knows how to heal all this. So let's leave Him there at the cross. So good. And you walk away. It's such a visual that I can't tell you. When they see that they're on level ground, there's no one better and no one worse, because we all need Jesus, and His blood's enough. His blood speaks a better word. Mm, No matter what words are spoken over you, let them fall to the ground and let the blood cover them, because His blood does speak a better word. That is very powerful. Very. Would you just pray for the people that are listening who need, needed to hear this word today and just pray over them? Yes. As you are thinking of those that have hurt you, as you are standing at the cross, and you can just visualize that, because we can all come to the cross, and they all need to be at the cross. I want you to just release them there, because you can trust Jesus with them. Just leave them there. And don't forget to forgive yourself for whatever you hold against yourself. And as you do that, and you leave it there, His blood does speak a better word, and He brings life. So release them. They are safe with Him. And just step into your today. In Jesus' name.